Hello, everybody. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland Network. From the Red Maryland Command Bunker on the bucolic western shore of Maryland, on the banks of the semi-historic Magathie River, you are listening to Maryland's leading conservative talk show, leading political talk show, leading podcast, you name it, we it, lead it. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Brian Krivis. Greg Klein on assignment this week. It always seems that his birthday week coincides with a live, in-person edition of um, Riff Tracks. And I don't know why that is. It seems like every August, every time it comes around his birthday week, there's a Riff Tracks on a night we're doing a show. But that's okay. I got your back. Hey, look. But I'm, it's, I'm tired, okay? It's been a long week. we got a lot to talk about here tonight. We're going to talk later on in the show with Maria Sophia, the chairman of the Young Republicans, and talk a little bit about the Young Republicans' trip to Omaha, the Young Republican National Convention, as well as an exciting event that they've got coming up soon. We'll talk about poll results here later on tonight as well. I do want to remind you that this week's episode of Red Maryland Radio is brought to you by the Red Maryland Leadership Conference coming up Saturday, January the 11th, 2020. Lots of great speakers. Go to redmarylandconference.com and buy your tickets. That event is going to sell out. And uh, if you want to be an advertiser or you want to you have a vendor table, you want to be part of it, you can all go to redmarylandconference.com and learn more about how you can uh, be a sponsor of this event as well. And we appreciate all your support for that event. Just like we appreciate your support in becoming a patron of Red Maryland, go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. Look, Red Maryland is a self-funded enterprise. We're not making any money on this deal. All money that we get back from our Patreon account is going straight to enhance the network, advertising, that sort of stuff. We are not seeing a penny of it. And when you do become a patron, you'll get network-exclusive shows. You'll get some swag. You'll get exclusive opportunities. Lots of stuff if you become a patron. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Red Maryland. Now, it's not going to surprise you that here at the first part of the show this week, we're going to talk about guns. I know, it seems like every week we talk about guns. But that's got a lot to do with our national ethos right now, where our national conversation goes. We continue to keep having these conversations, these unproductive conversations, where folks who are opposed to your Second Amendment rights keep coming out and making nonsense. Um, I wrote a column on uh, Tuesday night, I published it, on uh, on RedMaryland.com. It's called Pittman's Rigged Game. And in that, uh, I talk about the... Anne Arundel County Executive's Gun Violence Prevention Task Force. Um, And because a controversy recently um, came up about that. One of the members of that, um, you know, of that commission, of that task force, uh, is one of the survivors um, of uh, one of the survivors of one of those who was shot at the Capitol Gazette in that shooting. Okay. And, um, And look... You know, Andrea Chambly, who's the vice chair, has become the the focus of this for whatever reason. Her husband, John McNamara, was one of the five folks who were killed in the attack on the Capitol Gazette newsroom. Now, Stuart Pittman, our county executive, made 
uh, you know, is, is trying to make this into some, into something completely different. I'm just going to read this uh, this story. Before Gun Violence Prevention Task Force has first meeting with public comment, Pittman rebuffs, quote, bullying intimidation. A week before the Anne Arundel County Gun Violence Prevention Task Force holds its first meeting with time devoted to public comment, County Executive Stuart Pittman announced the group wouldn't falter in the face of bullying and intimidation by, quote, extremists. Opponents of efforts to end gun violence have a right to speak freely, but this administration will continue with efforts to save lives, he wrote in a statement. Of course, save lives has a hidden meaning. More on that in a second. The statement came a day after Pittman's office was alerted of a fake Facebook page for the county's gun violence prevention task force that mocked the group and its members. As of Friday morning, the page no longer existed. The page, created on June 26, two days before the anniversary of the Capitol Gazette shooting, which prompted the task force information, repeatedly went after the vice chair of the task force, Andrea Chambly, displaying screenshots of her comments and posts on Facebook and ridiculing her. Chambly's husband, John McNamara, was shot and killed at the Capitol along with four of her colleagues. Pittman said having her singled out in this way made him angry. I hope that nobody on our task force feels intimidated by any threats or any charges charges that we or they are biased, he said. Um, <laughs> more on that in a second. The side note, it was not the, quote, official, side noted it was, quote, not the official page of any state or local government or government entity. Facebook didn't respond to requests for comments on whether the page violated its policies. Patriot Picket, you remember those guys? A group that referred to the task force as the task force on Facebook and accused its members of being hardcore gun grabbers denied creating the Facebook page. By the way, um, yes, it is a task force, not a task force, and they are hardcore gun grabbers. Again, more on that in a second. But that's pretty funny, Paul Brockman, a spokesman for the group, added, once again, the Patriot Picket's ability to step on its own dick is completely amazing. More on that later. However, Chambly said she's been singled out by Patriot Picket on its Facebook page and noted there seemed to be an overlap in the posts on that page and on the fake Facebook page. This may be coincidental, but I'm not stupid, she said. Um... Don Stoltzfus, a Moms Demand Action volunteer who sits on the task force, said she saw the page Wednesday evening. She's learned to ignore Facebook trolls and negative things. Quote, these types of groups are very small, very fringe, but they make a lot of noise, she said. Brockman said the task force doesn't represent all sides of the, on the debate over guns. The Patriot Picket asked for one of its members to be included in the group. But Jennifer Purcell, Pittman's chief of staff, said its request was turned down because its inclusion would require changing the executive order that created the task force, uh, which is interesting when you look at the composition of the task force to start with. Now, here, here is where things completely go off the rails, and it is very clear. Um, it becomes, you know, it, it, it becomes very evident what Stuart Pittman is actually trying to do here, okay? Um Pittman said people who oppose all levels of gun control weren't invited to sit on the task force because its mission is focusing on improving firearms regulations and preventing gun violence. If people don't agree with that goal, Pittman said that was their right, but, quote, that's why we didn't select these folk, those folks for the force. They don't share the same goals, he said. They've been clear that disrupting the task force work is their goal. And that, friends, is exactly the problem here. It is very evident. It does not take a rocket scientist to figure out what Stuart Pittman's goal for all of this is. Stuart Pittman wants more gun control, and he stacked the deck in his favor. Okay? it's not. It shouldn't be a gun violence 
uh, protection task force. It should be the gun grabbing task force because that's really what it is. When you look at the membership of this task force, it's full up and down of Democratic anti-gun activists, okay? They already mentioned, the Capitol story that I quoted already mentioned what the, uh, you know, who, um, you know, some of the folks on there. You have Andrea Chambly and Maria Hyassen, who, of course, are two widows of victims from the, the Capitol Gazette shooting. And, and look, I get it. I get where they're coming from. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. You got Jamie Benoit, a Democratic member of the county council, a former Democratic member. Don Stoltzfitz, who works, for, who was a member of Moms Demand. You've got a March for Our Lives organizer and county student. You have a former board member of the Brady Campaign to End Violence. You have Jennifer Sowers, director of the Randall County Parent Coalition, who's uh, come out on Facebook and, and made posts that are very liberal in nature. You have another author and columnist from the Capitol. You have Jackie Alsup, who's been a you know perennial failed Democratic candidate for a number of offices. You have Stacey Korbelak, who's a professor, but more importantly, she's somebody who has sought public office before. She was a member of the, uh, she was a member of the Anne Arundel County Board of Education. She is a very um, well-known Democrat. She is somebody, you know, who has a member of the Emerge Maryland class. You know, she is, we're talking about somebody Who's a liberal? Who's a left-wing liberal? But, again, she's just listed as a professor and no more. We also have ex-officio members, including the chief of staff of Anne Arundel County Executive Stuart Pittman, including the state's attorney, the Democratic state's attorney, including a bunch of other... you know, a bunch of other members, uh, you know, of the administration, including a Democratic delegate, including a Democratic state senator, Pam Beidel, including a Democratic member of the county council, including a Democratic alderwoman from the city of Annapolis. Hell, the only person on this entire dais who's a Republican is Nathan Volke, the county councilman, the Republican, the, the Republican appointee, the Republican member of the county council who's sitting on this thing. No rational, reasonable person doesn't see this as a group that is designed to grab guns. I mean, Stuart Pittman must think people are stupid to think that, if you know, they're stupid. He has to think they're stupid because people know exactly what this task force is going to recommend. It's going to recommend more gun control. It's going to recommend additional burdens on private gun ownership for citizens in Anne Arundel County. Now, Pittman can can wax poetic all he wants. Pittman can talk about, oh, you know, it's a it's a gun grabbing. It's not a gun grabbing task force. He can bristle at that all he wants, but he's full of it. He's full of it. Nobody, hell, Stuart Pittman. If you, you know, if if. You, if Stuart Pittman looks in the mirror and is honest with himself, um, you know, come on. If Stuart Pittman were honest with himself, he would say this is a this is a panel that is looking for gun confiscation. Um, 
In a statement, Pittman wrote that gun manufacturers spend millions every year, quote, attempting to link the concepts of freedom, liberty, and patriotism with deregulation of firearms. He continues, he wrote, they also equate it, quote, common sense regulation, background checks, assault weapon bans, red flag laws, and age limits with, quote, loss of freedom. Public safety is the most sacred obligation of government, he wrote, will not sacrifice public safety to appease a small minority of extremists whose selfish desire to avoid the paperwork burden of gun registration and background checks is cloaked in concepts that are the foundation of this great country. Dear God, man, to pick up a constitution. This is insane. This is nuts. Does Stuart Pittman really believe that the reason that gun gun rights activists oppose new regulations is, quote, a selfish desire to avoid the paperwork burden of gun registration and background checks? This guy's insane. This guy's nuts. I mean, this, this is just... This is... You have to either be ignorant, deceitful, or stupid to say the stuff that Pittman is saying here, okay? Now, let's move on to something a little different, okay? Um, you know, my, my friends at the Capitol, and look, I take a paycheck from the Capitol. That's not a, that's not a surprise to anybody. Um, you know, they're right and they're wrong, okay? Um the problem is that the Capitol comes to the conclusion um, that guns are the problem. They, it's interesting because the Capitol editorial board attacks the gun rights activists for saying that they, ha- that they come to other conclusions, but the Capitol themselves comes to a conclusion that is wrong. Um, you know, it, it's funny that it took Pittman as long as he did to... Um, to allow public comment, by the way, but that's that's neither here nor there. Now, then the Capitol concludes, and I quote here, I'm just quoting here, if Patriot Pickett and its supporters want to be taken seriously and help to cha- shape the response to the national crisis, they need to change their tactics. Change is coming whether they like it or not. Um, we suggest representatives of this group use their first two minutes wisely, apologize, and make clear to bully opponents, attempts to bully opponents won't be acceptable in the future. Um... That's not happening. I can tell you this straight up. That second part is never going to happen from the Patriot picket. Um, as far as trying to change their tactics, we've 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 tried to have that conversation, and uh, the Patriot picket has not been receptive to us. Though our tactics do not involve being a kiss ass to gun groups as the Capitol would like it to be. It does involve actually mobilizing and electing more pro gun folks. But that's neither here nor there. Now there is going to be um, in Friday's paper. It should be up on the website by the time you are uh, by, by the time you're listening to this. Certainly, um, there's got to be a rebuttal. Somebody is going to say the right things in the Capitol about guns, and it's going to be this guy, folks. Going to be me. Um, the premise, the premise of my weekly column for the Capitol this week is very simple, um, and, and it's guns don't cause shootings. And guns don't cause crime. You know, and I think that's that's an important part of the conversation right now because so many members of the media, so many Democrats, are trying to just bulldoze our constitutional rights under the guise of we have to do something. Now, of course, this has never been effective before. But now there continues to just be this upswing in people who believe that we have to give up, you know, we have to sacrifice liberty for protection and we all know what happens to people who sacrifice liberty for protection, don't we? I still find it interesting 
that many in the media are willing to sacrifice our Second Amendment rights, but are not willing to uh, not willing to to sacrifice their First Amendment rights anytime the Trump administration uh, suggests rolling back First Amendment rights. By the way, I think both sides are wrong. I think our First Amendment rights and our Second Amendment Amendment rights. It's easy for me to say should be protected at all costs. It's not rocket science. But in my piece, uh, I'll just read you some of the some of the, some of the stuff. This is from the draft of what I wrote. Okay, I'm getting tired of writing these columns. Every so often, we have a tragedy like the ones in El Paso and Dayton, or here at this paper, that bring guns back into our national conversation. Every year, we wind up with calls for change, with little productive being said or done. I feel obligated to use my soapbox and scream from the rooftop in all capital letters: Guns do not cause shootings. After every gun tragedy, we break into camps and follow the same scripts. Democrats blame the inanimate object. Never mind the fact that guns can't shoot themselves. Republicans blame the culture. There's a certain sense to that, given how through abortion and assisted suicide, our culture has devalued life. But then Republicans focus, switch to video games. Never mind the fact that there is no evidence that links playing video games to violence. H.L. Mencken wrote in 1917, quote, There's always a well-known solution to every human problem. Neat, plausible, and wrong. Cries for gun control are exactly that. They are neat because it creates a scapegoat on which to blame these acts of violence. They are plausible in the sense that it would take simple legislation to ban certain guns and ammunition, but it's wrong because it would never, ever solve the problem of gun violence in this country. Say, for example, that you increase restrictions on private gun ownership in this country. That would make gun ownership in this country something akin to several large democratic states where it is either very difficult to own a gun or difficult to impossible to legally carry on your person. In Chicago, where it is difficult to impossible to legally own a gun, there were 282 murders, most from gunshot wounds, in the first seven months of 2019. Here in Baltimore, there have been over 200 murders this year, again, most from gunshot wounds. No lives are worth more than another, as all of us are unique and we each have a dignity, have dignity as a human person. But our attention is drawn to those unique events at a time where cities that virtually outlawed legal gun ownership continue to see gun homicides at an alarming rate. That's what makes further gun control neat, plausible, and wrong. The old canard from gun rights advocates is that, quote, if you outlaw guns, only outlaws will have guns. In cities like Baltimore and Chicago, that's basically what has already happened, with grim results. Besides, we have seen countless mass killings conducted without the use of a gun. The September 11th attacks were perpetrated not with a gun, but with a box cutter. The 1995 Oklahoma City Federal Building bombing was perpetrated not with a gun, but with fertilizer. The 2017 Charlottesville attack was perpetrated not with a gun, but with a car. National cries for knife, fertilizer, or car control to not follow those horrific crimes. To put it more succinctly, I've seen in a meme on Facebook, quote, Want to stop drunk drivers from killing sober drivers? Ban sober drivers from drinking. That's how gun control works. What goes virtually unreported are the stories where a civilian uses a firearm to stop a crime from happening. Virtually all of those instances of defensive firearm use do not result with the gun ever being fired. They can be the differences in instances like these when seconds count, but the police are minutes away. Yes, we need to figure out how to make mass shootings less frequent. Banning good guys from having guns so only bad guys have them is not the answer. So yes, that's the my column that is running in Friday's Capitol. And it needs to be said, because you see so many of our Democrats... Look, Stuart Pittman created a rigged task force. He's like, just like every other task force Democrats in Annapolis create. This Stuart Pittman, wealthy horseman, smart guy, insofar as that he's taking the Democratic, uh, taking the Democratic lead, just doing what they do, just following their playbook. Create a commission to deal with the problem. 
stack the deck with people who agree with you on the solution to the problem, follow the task force recommendations, everybody gets to go home yelling harumph, harumph, harumph at the end of the day. But people see Stuart Pittman for what he is, other than a squish who does exactly what the special interest groups that support him tell him to do. And this, again, it's not a coincidence that Moms Demand and and March for Our Lives and all of these other radical, anti-liberty, anti-constitution groups have seats at the table, but not a single, not a single pro-gun rights group you know, it, it, it gets a seat at the table. Now look, it's, it's very easy to make the Patriot picket the focus of all of this. And this is one of the problems with the picket is the fact that when they act this way, you know, it besmirches all of the other gun rights activists out there who are trying to, you know, be a little more persuasive and actually trying to get people elected. And I know the Patriot picket folks are going to, uh, going to piss and moan about that, but... You know, the fact of the matter is, is that banging pots and pans out somebody's houses just pisses people off, and it you know, smears the entire movement with a brush. Not a particularly nice brush, either. But the fact is, is that Pittman did not have any interest in having somebody affiliated with the National Rifle Association. He did not have any interest in appointing somebody to the task force who was affiliated with Gun Owners of America. He didn't find any interest in appointing somebody who was part of the Maryland State Rifle Pistol Rifle and Pistol Association. He didn't have any interest in nominating somebody associated with the Associated Gun Clubs of Baltimore. He didn't find anybody who was interested, who was part of the Stony Creek Hunting and Fishing Club, or any other gun club, or gun manufacturer, or gun dealer. You think that's a coincidence? Of course not. Pittman rigged the game. Pittman rigged the game. And people need to see that, and people need to understand that. It, we know what's going to happen with the task force recommendations. Here in Democratic Anne Arundel County, a, a, a county that went Democrat thanks to the blue wave last year. Thanks, everybody in Washington, for that, by the way. More than likely, these task force recommendations are going to call for more gun control. They are going to pass. They are going to be signed by the county executive. And they're going to wind up in court. And then in 2022, we're going to have to fight this battle all over again. And hopefully, the winds will be at our back more than they were last time. And uh, and we will make sure that people remember. And where the gun rights groups will remember this, so they can make sure that they are getting their people out and about to defeat the Democrats in this county. Another thing I want to talk to about, and just real quick... Um, Steve Hershey made some comments after the shootings. Um, Senate Minority Whip Steve Hershey, uh, who was who was very, uh, very, very critical of of certain aspects of our culture and the administration after uh, after the shootings in El Paso, and this has gotten a little bit of attention. There was an article in the Cecil Wig the other day about this. Um, Hershey rather wrote, "quote I'm done with the thoughts and prayers. I'm done with the phony outrage from scores of politicians." I'm angry, I'm horrified, I'm devastated. Our American culture is suffering. Let's call that what it is. A white nationalist committed an act of terrorism. A few hours later, Hershey followed up his initial tweet, quote, How many more times are we going to use mental illness as the standard response to a mass shooting? That crutch has been worn thin. Here's what happened in El Paso. A guy drove hundreds of miles and committed an act of terrorism. 
This guy's a hateful white nationalist. Period. And he continues, quote, Why are so many politicians afraid to call a spade a spade? White supremacy and white nationalism is on the rise in America. And now it has manifested in the mass shootings. A pattern becomes a data point. We know the who, the what, and the why. We have to prevent the next where and what. Um, you know, and, and Hershey's not backing down from this either, by the way. Um, he continued, Mr. President, the El Paso gunman is a wicked man. He's also a terrorist and a white nationalist. The first step in solving any problem is admitting that we have one. We have a white nationalist and white supremacy problem in America. Call it out, at real Donald Trump. Um, you know, there, there's... It's very interesting... Um, the reaction to some of this. The camp, Maryland Campaign for Liberty, which has never successfully done anything in this state, I hasten to point out, um, quote, tell Senator Hershey that you refuse to give an inch to the far leftists that want to take your Second Amendment rights. Tell him that you demand that he opposes any future gun control measures. What the hell does that have to do with anything that Senator Hershey said? You know, Senator Hershey is condemning white nationalists and the Campaign for Liberty is out there Demanding he oppose gun, you know, oppose gun legislation, which he always has, by the way, which kind of makes you wonder, maybe, maybe for the campaign for liberty, the white nationalist comment cut a little too close to the bone. Just saying, I'll let you uh, let you make the decision on that. Um, and here, this comment here, this this comment is this is. I'm just going to read this entire section, by the way. Um, quote. You know, this is called political fallout. Quote from this from the from the uh, Cecil Daily article: Hershey is no political novice, having served three years in the House of Delegates from 2010 to 2013 before being appointed by then Governor Martin O'Malley to fill a vacant Senate seat. In 2014 and 18, he was easily reelected in District 36, where Republicans outnumbered Democrats. But with such a pointed backlash from many conservatives in a district that backed Trump by a nearly two to one ratio, it's worth considering the impact of Hershey's comments. Todd Eberly, a leading political scientist in Maryland, told the Whig that it was an interesting conversation to watch in the past week. This is Eberly speaking. First and foremost, you just have to stand back and marvel at this. You have a politician who has condemned white nationalism, and yet we are discussing whether he may be vulnerable to not being reelected. he said Tuesday. Why? Who would have predicted this ten years ago? But here we are. Eberly noted that social media, often with falsely perceived information, can drive critics following mass shootings. For some crazy reason, many believe that if you condemn white nationalism, that you support a national gun confiscation registry. That's how polarized our politics have become. Despite those critics, Everly doesn't believe that Hershey will suffer much of a political hit from the comments, particularly because he hasn't backed a proposal that would directly oppose the party ethos. For someone to challenge him, the question is, what is that challenge predicated on? Opposing white nationalism? It's hard to imagine a challenge on these comments alone without a voter policy to tie to him. Um, I'm just going to say this. Greg may disagree with me, but Greg's not here this week. If you are somehow a if you are a Republican and you are somehow offended by what Steve Hershey said about white nationalism, get the hell out of the party. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. Go go put on your your hood and go to your clan meeting somewhere. I'm sick of this. I am sick and tired of individuals and groups snowflakes getting offended when a Republican calls out white nationalism as hateful and evil. The campaign for liberty should be absolutely ashamed of themselves for trying to attack Steve Hershey on gun rights and gun registries and all this other nonsense when Steve Hershey was condemning white nationalism. 
And I understand that the Maryland Campaign for Liberty, a do-nothing organization that exists solely for the purpose of collecting email addresses and raising money on the backs of people who don't realize that the Campaign for Liberty doesn't do anything with that money. I'm sorry that they are there, again, that they are a do-nothing group and chose the opportunity to attack a politician for something completely unrelated to the topic. But again, I think it calls into question, if, if the Campaign for Liberty is attacking Steve Hershey on gun rights, when he makes comments about white nationalism, what does that say about the Campaign for Liberty? I leave it at that. I'm happy Steve Hershey said something. I think all of our Republican legislators should stand up against white nationalism and this terrorism and this nonsense that's going on. And, uh, and, if, you, and if you are offended by Steve Hershey's comments about white nationalism and you're offended by me saying get out of the party, you can kiss my ass too. By the way, Steve Hershey will be speaking at the Red Maryland Leadership Conference in January. So you can buy a ticket at redmarylandconference.com and ask him yourself about gun laws and, and all this other stuff. But, you know, we've gone far too long without condemning racism as Republicans. And we've kind of let it slide under the table. And we need to do a better job of that. And I'm glad Steve Hershey said what he said. When we come back, we're going to talk about much happier topics. Uh, We're going to talk with Maria Sophia of the Maryland Young Republicans about their recent convention in Omaha, Nebraska, as well as a great event that they have coming up that Red Maryland's excited to be a part of. And then after that, we are going to reveal the results of the the August, rather, Red Maryland poll. You're not going to want to miss that. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Did you know Red Maryland was on Patreon? By supporting Red Maryland on Patreon, not only do you support Red Maryland's efforts to grow the conservative movement here in Maryland, but you're going to get access to premium content, meet and greets, cool bumper stickers, and more. To support Red Maryland Patreon, go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. Even $1 a month will help us grow the conservative movement in our state. And every dollar goes back into growing Red Maryland. That's patreon.com slash redmaryland. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash redmaryland. And thank you for your support. Shock the system. You are invited to the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference, which comes at you on Saturday, January the 11th, 2020, from the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join us as we hear guest speakers, including Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz, Delegate Kathy Shalega, Doug Mayer from the 2018 Hogan for Governor campaign, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers from WBAL Radio, Maria Sophia, the chair of the Maryland Young Republicans, Ian Patrick Hines, Rory McShane, and a host of other fantastic speakers. This conference will help prepare the groundwork for your next election success and the success of conservatism across the state. Tickets are on sale now. The conference sold out in 2019, so you are not going to want to miss out on buying your tickets today. Go to redmarylandconference.com to learn how to buy your ticket, your sponsorship, or your vendor table. That's redmarylandconference.com. Go buy your tickets today for the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference.
We are back here, Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Brian Griffiths. Greg Klein on assignment uh, again this week, enjoying his birthday week as only he can by going to Rift Tracks and hoping no more Oakland Raiders get arrested this week. Be that as it may, joining us on the hotline right now, the chairman of the Maryland Young Republicans, Maria Sophia. Maria, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you, Brian? Doing very well. Um, a lot of things to talk about with you this week. First off, you guys, uh, the Maryland Young Republicans, just got back from the Young Republican National Convention out in Omaha, Nebraska. Tell folks a little bit about your uh, some of your experiences at that event. Sure, yeah. Omaha, Nebraska, for us, was a really big highlight for us since this executive board got elected in May. And we were able to really hit the ground running with some of the projects, with brainstorming, with YRs across the country. Uh, We also were able to really get some of our newer members uh, that had never been to a national convention uh, to get their feet wet and to be able to network with other young Republicans. And we were just, we really, we had a good time. And I really think it was a great opportunity for our members to understand where Maryland is and where it could go. And there's just there was just a lot of excitement, and I I'm, was really pleased with uh, the camaraderie and just how our YRs really got along and just just conducted themselves as well. So it was it was a really great experience. So uh, this is your second national convention that you've attended, and obviously the conventions could not have been more different. Um, first off, what was and I know probably know the answer to this already. How much more of a relief was it just being an attendee at this convention than Omaha than being one of the folks trying to pull it off like you were two years ago in Annapolis? Oh, my gosh. It was a completely different feel. You know, I, I definitely sensed a lot more calm within the Maryland YRs. Uh, it, was, it was definitely nicer to be able to go somewhere and enjoy the event versus running around and, and trying to make sure things were going off without a hitch. Uh, definitely, definitely a different experience, but a positive one for sure. Also, the other difference, too, that you ha- you saw between 2017 and 2019 was the fact that there's a difference, and, and I'm sure you saw this, too, that there's a big difference between a convention where there's a contested chairman's race and one in which there's an uncontested chairman's race like this year. Going back, I remember my first convention in 2009 in Indianapolis. The dinner went long. Um, I mean, sure, the convention went long. We had to delay dinner by an hour, which means we had to uh, had to delay our guest speaker. Our guest speaker at that point was some young congressman named Mike Pence. I don't know whatever happened to that guy. <laughs> um, but you know, it was a very cont- contested, contentious, angry convention. Convention, whereas the uh, the convention I went to in 2011 was a much more tranquil and peaceful convention because um, you had a ticket that was being elected unanimously. Now, part of that probably helped for me because I was on the ticket, but also because the convention was in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and we all were having a really good time. So, <laughs> just kind of what what yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> Hey, we are the life of the party in so many different we, ways. We are. But just kind of, you know, compare and contrast because you got you had an even different kind of kind of perspective because 2 years ago you had a Maryland candidate running at the top of the ticket. So just kind of compare and contrast because not you know, you have a contested convention versus a tranquil uncontested convention. A convention where a Maryland um 
chairman is running a race you know, that some would say was divisive versus one where Maryland's kind of more part of the family. Just kind of compare and contrast those for us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, two years ago, uh, the convention in Annapolis was definitely, it was obviously my first convention, and I only had been a YR all of like six months at the time. So I was thrown into the preparation process for that convention rather quickly. And going back and thinking what was going through everyone's heads and trying to whip votes and everything, it was it was tense. And I think a lot of what went on was uncertainty, I guess you could say, with you know the direction of where Maryland was going because we didn't know if we were going to have a chair that was from Maryland uh, versus having a chair like ultimately Jason um, had one uh, – from uh, originally from Tennessee. So it was definitely different. You know, our delegates were a little bit divided, I would say, in 2017, just because a lot of people were obviously seeing for the first time how a convention was and at the simultaneously having their own chairman run for national chair. Uh, so that it, was, it was different and it was divisive in some ways because you were being pulled in different directions. And I remember it being my first convention and people were, you know, whispering in my ear one thing and then you're trying to get kind of a grasp of what was going on. And it was it's just a lot thrown at you at once. And, you know, planning that convention on top of having an election with your own um, YR chairman running, it, it got really, uh, it got tense at times because you're going in as someone who had never been to one of those conventions, you know, and everyone having different opinions you almost as a new delegate didn't know what to think. And, you know, going into this as a, going to the second convention this past summer in Omaha as one of only three people that ultimately went from our YRs, um, we, we ultimately had a full voting strength, but ultimately having three people from Maryland that had only been to the previous one, having that experience, I didn't want the same experience for my delegates this time as their new chairman. I wanted them to be able to obviously have a good time and enjoy themselves and really grasp what the wires were about. And, and this go around at this convention, there was a lot of turnover from a lot of states, a lot of people learning about YRs and what they could do for the first time. So there was a really, it was a mix of, a, of older members with brand new members. And it was what I would call like a transition convention. And it was a lot smoother with the one slate obviously running, but at the same time, there was a lot of uncertainty with, you know, how, how states were going to show up, you know, were they going to have enough members? Um, were they going to have full voting strength? And I'm proud to say that Maryland um, was in the top 10 states for having the most um, amount of delegates present for their state. So that was a really big deal. Of the 38 states present, um, Maryland um, had more delegates than 28 of them. So it was a really big deal for us because we were able to bring full voting strength with us across the country to the Midwest with delegates who had never done this before, who, you know, didn't really know what to expect, but they had such a passion to want to grow YRs in Maryland that that carried over to them wanting to go there. So I think this go around with a much more unified delegation, it also helped with the experience as well. So there's a lot of different emotions in both both conventions. Yeah, and I'll tell you too, first off, it's a testament to you that you were able to do that because it's been a long time. It was something that I was not able to ever to do as chairman to bring a full um, you know, full delegation strength. I think a lot of that um, 
you know, has to do again with your work, but also to the differences in the Republican Party at the time. Whereas I was, uh, when I was recruiting for these conventions, we were just coming off of a second, a uh, third loss, second loss rather by by Bob Ehrlich. Whereas the enthusiasm of the Hogan administration certainly um, certainly helps that along, and 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 certainly that kind of goes to my next question, just kind of about where the YR is headed, because as you pointed out, just you know, I didn't get a chance to attend this year's convention, but I did see on Facebook a lot of, and I'll just use the term, the same generation of. YRs that I was a part of, you know, are starting either to age out of the organization and and or or YR retire as as folks call it. Something I did several yeah. years ago. We obviously have our new chairman. The new chairman's Rick Lowry from our neighboring state of Pennsylvania. So, kind of, what is the plan going forward for the YRNF, and how does Maryland uh, and the Maryland YRs fit into that to that plan going forward? Uh, well, thanks for the question, Brian, because it, the YRs in Maryland actually are going to have a role um, in this this new uh, administration for the YRNF. I was elected, oh, I was rather appointed as the new Northeast Regional Secretary, which is fantastic for Maryland because we'll have a voice in the region. And Evan Young, our national committee man, is the new communications chair for the communications committee for the YRNF. So he will be, who will be running that committee, which is huge for messaging and for the, the voice of the YRNF as well. So we're really excited about that. And we have two of our members, uh, Matt Foldy, who's chair of Montgomery County, who's going to be on one of the committees. He'll be on, I believe, the International Affairs Committee. And Melissa Brown, our vice chairman, will also be on the communications committee as well, uh, with a couple more members expressing interest, wanting to be a part of these committees. And Rick has really stressed what he wants as a more unified YRNF. He wants members to feel like that they can be a part of the process and not just leaders. He feels that members can take on other roles and committees and other smaller leadership positions to ultimately grow and to become leaders of their state, but even in the YRNF as well. So it's a much more cohesive, unified, it really comes full circle. Uh, just actually got off, uh, a conference call with our regional leadership um, this tonight. Um, so, you know, we're moving forward. Maryland's going to have a say for the first time in a long time, and we're really excited about that. Uh, Rick's focus is obviously voter contacts, as is everyone in the YRNF. We want to make as, we want to make our goal is 10 million voter contacts by the 2020 election, which is a huge, steep goal. The RNC has has given us, but we are up to the task of, as an organization, trying to get those 10 million. Um, but we're going to be working together. We're going to be working on deployments. We're going to be going to Virginia. We're going to be going to Pennsylvania. Uh, you'll see on social media that Maryland YRs are already doing that. They're going to Virginia to door knock for candidates in the legislature for Virginia this year. It's a, as you know, it's a very uh, there's a lot of very contested races in Virginia, particularly in their legislature, because of how last or how two or a couple years ago went when it was literally a coin flip if you will uh so it's really really narrow down there and we anticipate going to pennsylvania in 2020 uh to help with other races particularly because maryland's races um are kind of in the off year with the exception of congress so well that kind of opens that up a little bit because you know one of the things that we have been critical of and, and many other republicans have been critical of have been republicans who kind of leave maryland to go campaign in other states how do you square the circle of trying to grow the party here in maryland but working you know more directly to start growing the you know winning elections in other states 
Sure. I mean, it, it's it's obviously a, a combined effort. You know, I've made very clear at the YRNF level that I am more than happy to send young Republicans, um, you know, across the country to help with races. But I made it abundantly clear that 2022 is a huge year for Maryland. And we hope that we can get as many young Republicans that we've gone out to help to come help us in the, in the matter of, well, really three and a half years to come till that election. But we're really looking at two and a half, maybe three years until we start gearing up for that election. So obviously you've made that very clear, but it's a combination. You know, we're building local chapters across the state. When I was elected in May, we had two active county chapters. We're now up to eight and I could foresee us getting to 11 by hopefully um, the end of this year. Our goal obviously is to charter half of the state, um, which we're hopefully we're gearing towards and we're getting close to. But the idea is to build county chapters, build those local chapters, so that these county YR chapters can go into their communities, they can help with those local races, and they can really hit the ground running um, as, we, as we really start to target local races with the state party. But obviously that comes with time and recruiting, and our executive board's done a really nice job of expanding our efforts to really keep YRs not only here in Maryland for those local races, but with our bigger chapters where we have more members, where we have the capabilities to stretch across not only Maryland, but in our neighboring states as well. So it's kind of a balancing act. You know, I'm not trying to send all of our young Republicans out of state and basically leave Maryland with nothing. That's, that's not the plan, obviously, but we're beginning to see enough growth where we can start to send YRs um, in our neighboring states in hopes of getting help in the coming years as well. Let's talk about some of that outreach and some of that growth that's going on here at home. Last week, uh, obviously last Monday, there was the big cleanup in, in Baltimore City that got a lot of attention, some of it negative yeah. from, from naysayers like the Baltimore Sun. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, uh, a lot of Maryland young Republicans were involved in that outreach. Obviously, uh, Evan Young, the National Committee man, uh, was doing a lot of outreach as far as um, not just cleaning up, but also documenting it. And I, I use some of his stuff as sources for our uh, for my piece about the Baltimore Sun. Talk a little bit about the Maryland YRs are, uh, did in Baltimore last week and how you build upon that going forward in the city. Sure. I mean, you know, and this was, and this was something that came together rather quickly. As you know, um, Scott Pressler put this together, and he's not even from Maryland. Um, he's actually originally from Virginia, which is kind of funny because we got in a we got in a little conversation with our Virginia YRs as well, saying you know he's still a Virginian even though he's in Baltimore, and it, obviously in a joking manner. But um, you know our national committee woman Bella Fishman was there as well. So our national committee uh, members, both Evan and Bella, have really set a bar for what our organization can do in outreach. And they both have taken their roles very seriously, but have also really expanded their roles as well. They've they networked with communities, um, uh, community organizers, excuse me, and other groups that helped with this cleanup effort. They networked and they were able to really connect not only the YRs with just other young Republicans that actually came out, which was great. Um, Evan, you know, and I chatted about this a couple of days ago, but they were able to find other young Republicans just because of something as simple as helping the community and cleaning up. Uh, they were able to network with other organizations that came from out of state. So we've already been talking about doing another cleanup um, potentially next month or even in October. Um, but we're working with these other organizations as well to show that, you know, not only this isn't just a political issue. This is this is also a just a 
community issue. This is, you know, we can talk about, you know, how Democrats have, you know, held elected positions for, you know, over 50 years in the city, but it's the next generation's time to show that, you know, we care about the city and we don't care what your political party is. We don't care, you know, who you affiliate with. We just want to help make Baltimore better. And, you know, we, we kind of try to push that beyond party lines and we were able to meet some amazing people and just really come together and do something good for Baltimore. Fantastic. That's that's awesome that you guys are, are doing that. And hopefully it won't just be the YRs doing that. Hopefully a lot of the other the state party and some of the other organizations can come forth and, and help you guys with that, too. That would be something that would be really, really awesome and beneficial, certainly, as you mentioned, outside of the political, uh, whatever political benefit there is. Now, let's talk about right. the fun stuff. Um, you guys have a big event coming up in September. Red Maryland yes. is the proud media partner of this. You guys are doing a roast of state yeah. party chairman Dirk Hare. Now, a roast is something that um, I, I know people have kind of talked behind the scenes. Oh, it would be great to do this, but nobody's ever actually kind of grabbed the bull by the horns and did it. So let's let's just talk about it. Um, yeah. How did you come up with the idea of doing a roast <laughs> And how did you convince State Party Chairman Dirk Hare to be the guinea pig as the uh, as the roasted? Sure, you know this is something that we've been talking about since basically the uh, the MDYR um, elections back in May. Uh, I tasked the executive board with coming up with creative, out of the box things. Um, I had thought about a roast. I mean, again, like you said, this has been talked about, and I and I had molded around in my head, did not know how we could do it. But then I post the executive board. All right, we need to do something creative. We want to do a fundraiser. You know, we had seen what other states have done. You know, other states do Christmas parties and galas, and we wanted to do something a little different. And so Bella, our national committee woman said, well, what about a roast? And I said, I thought about that, but I don't know how we could pull it off. So myself and Bella and Evan and Melissa got into a, a large conversation about I think the second week into second week into our uh, term and it was mid May and we were talking about it and we said, well, you know, the state party convention's coming up. Let's, let's ask Dirk while we're there. Maybe we can, you know, talk him into it. And and Patrick was standing there. Patrick O'Keefe was standing there and Dirk was standing there and he kind of laughed and he said, really? And we're like, we want to do it in Annapolis. We want to do it central where everyone in the state could have an opportunity to come and we want to do it at a hotel where people could stay if it went late um, and, and just and just ha- have some fun with it. And he actually agreed. Uh, we didn't really take much selling at all. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. So we immediately hit the ground running, reached out to some people, uh, tried to figure out how we could make it happen. And uh, simultaneously trying to get everything, you know, everything in order, you know, our membership, our finances, figuring out if we had enough money in the bank to put down the initial payments for it. And we did. So we spent basically all of July locking everything down and people got really excited about it to the few people we were talking to. And so we were able to do it and we, you know, we, we made the antidote for it and we, you know, put it out there and it's just gotten so much positive reception. People are buying tickets and I'm really excited about it because this is the first time in a long time Maryland's going to have 
a fundraiser for their young Republicans. And we're not only engaging young Republicans in our state, but we're engaging Republicans around our state that, you know, want the wires to be successful. We've had such positive um, outpouring of support for our new executive board. I've received emails and letters and just, just amazing support from our party. And I'm really excited to see where we can head we're having YRs from out of state come to this dinner. We just got confirmation tonight that Chairman um, Rick Alakery, uh, who's our new YRNF chairman, as we talked about earlier, he will be in attendance as well. So we're really excited because a lot of states in the YRNF also see this as an opportunity of if Maryland's successful at it, that they can replicate it in their own states. And we're just really excited to bring something different to the table that other states haven't really been able to do or pull off per se because of, of um, resources or whatnot. Uh, so we're, we're really looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be something rather memorable for these YRs, especially because we have a lot of new ones uh, that are really trying to grow our party and it, it'll be something memorable for sure. Well, so who are some of the roasters? I know you've announced some of the roasters. Just kind of give folks yep. a flavor as to who some of the roasters are going to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just, uh, as you may have saw on our social media, we just announced that um, Brandon Cooper is our, our most recent confirmed, um, who is one of the vice chairmen for our state party. Patrick O'Keefe, uh, the former executive director, is also confirmed. Uh, we've got uh, Vice Chairman uh, Tony Campbell also, and uh, we'll be releasing a couple more in the coming weeks, but we're really excited about it. Uh, we've reached out to some elected officials. We've reached out to uh, some more people in the party, uh, but we really think this is going to be something fun that everyone can really uh, enjoy. And uh, it's on a Friday night at seven, which is, you know, after everyone gets home from work. So uh, we try to make it as, as easy for accessibility, but also timing for everyone to come. And and the real question that I have been asked um, has been, who is the roast master going to be? For anybody who's ever watched any of the roasts on, on yeah. Comedy Central or the old roasts, the Dean Martin roasts back way before yep. you were born, um, you know, oh, the, the roast master is a... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I, no, I, I, I was just going to say, you know, I, we, I grew up with my parents and my, my grandparents watching those roasts, but our <laughs> roast master general is someone that you might not expect, but it is our national committee man, um, Evan Young for the Young Republicans. He's by far one of the funniest Young Republicans if you if you know him. Um, but he will be doing it, and he's really excited about it. He's already run some of his jokes by myself and members of the executive board, and I really think it's going to be an event that you're not that you won't forget because uh, he's definitely ready, and he's already writing, and and, and they're quite funny. And, and I think I have to emphasize this. Red Maryland is the media partner of this event, but we're only going to be taping a podcast before the event. There's not going to be yeah. any recording or video or anything of what's of what's going on and what's said in the room. If you want to know right. what's in the room, you've got to buy a ticket to this event. Yeah, and honestly, you know, the wires as an organization, we, we always try to make things affordable because we want our members to enjoy things as, as much as possible when it comes to events. So, you know, we think our pricing is really good. You know, we've got $40 tickets for YRs and $75 for a single ticket registration, keeping it right in line with Lincoln dinners um, across the state. Um, but if you want to be a sponsor, um, we actually, for $1,000, our sponsors will have obviously um, a table. I'll mention the program, um, but we're also allowing the sponsors to have a 30-second toast at the end of the dinner. So each of our sponsors will be able to do a toast. 
So you definitely, if, if you're thinking about being a sponsor, you definitely should get a sponsorship because there is, there is a little something in it for the sponsor as well um, to, to be able to get a, a word or two in. Uh, so we think it's going to be super fun. Uh, we've kept, again, like I said, we've kept costs down. We're having wires from across the country come. It's going to be really fun. And uh, I, I think it's just going to be something different that people haven't seen. And I, I think it's also going to be great because you're going to see a lot of new YRs in that room as well. Uh, YRs that have joined our organization this year and, and just a great opportunity for members of the party to really network with other young Republicans, you know, candidates. If you're thinking about running, it's a great opportunity to come support young Republicans and, and meet the, the next generation of our party and, 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 you know, potentially just network and get your name out there as well. I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a great event, and I'm looking forward to it. And that dinner is going to be September 27th, starting at 7 p.m. in Annapolis. If people want to buy tickets, what's that website address? Yeah, it's just mdyrs.org, and it's right on our homepage under events. You can buy tickets there, and it's also on social media as well. Uh, we're, We're happy to talk to anyone who's interested in sponsoring as well. Um, It's definitely going to be a great event. Are there any other things that you guys have coming up planned for the next couple of months into next year uh, that you want to let folks know about? Yeah, I mean, right now we're obviously we we just made a new appointment. Nick Allman, if I, I I'm going to plug him just because he's our new political director. We're uh, starting to talk to candidates that are considering running and organizing door knocking efforts and grassroots because we certainly don't want to abandon any of our candidates that are considering running, um, and we want to help them as much as possible. So if you're interested. Uh, you can also reach out on our website, mdyrs.org. There's a contact us there. Reach out to us. We'll be happy to talk to candidates. Uh, we've had some candidates reach out to us already talking about looking for staffers or potential YRs. We're here as a resource to candidates, to people in the party, um, to help grow the party. And we're, and we're obviously uh, really excited and ready to go. Um, but, yes, uh, that's something that we're looking to do as well. So. Well, Maria Sophia, the best damn YR chairman since me, uh, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Oh, well, thank uh, you, Brian. I appreciate that. I appreciate you for, with, uh, for spending so much time with us here tonight. You're doing a hell of a job, and uh, we look forward to continued great things from the YRs. Oh, well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Great talking to you. Thanks a lot, Maria. Stick with us. After the break, we will be doing poll results from this month's August poll. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Did you know Red Maryland was on Patreon? By supporting Red Maryland on Patreon, not only do you support Red Maryland's efforts to grow the conservative movement here in Maryland, but you're going to get access to premium content, meet and greets, cool bumper stickers, and more. To support Red Maryland on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. Even $1 a month will help us grow the conservative movement in our state. And every dollar goes back into growing Red Maryland. That's patreon.com slash Red Maryland. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Red Maryland. And thank you for your support. Shock the system. You are invited to the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference, which comes at you on Saturday, January the 11th, 2020, from the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join us as we hear guest speakers including Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz, Delegate Kathy Shalega, Doug Mayer from the 2018 Hogan for Governor campaign, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers from WBAL Radio, Maria Sophia, the chair of the Maryland Young Republicans, Ian Patrick Hines, 
Rory McShane, and a host of other fantastic speakers. This conference will help prepare the groundwork for your next election success and the success of conservatism across the state. Tickets are on sale now. The conference sold out in 2019, so you are not going to want to miss out on buying your tickets today. Go to RedMarylandConference.com to learn how to buy your ticket, your sponsorship, or your vendor table. That's RedMarylandConference.com. Go buy your tickets today for the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference. Welcome back, everybody. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Brian Griffiths. Greg Klein on assignment again today. Off at Rift Tracks watching Manos, the Hands of Fader, or some such things. But you're not here to learn about that. You're here to learn about the Red Maryland August poll uh, results coming out here today, which we had uh, 108 respondents this time. By and large, what we've seen so far throughout this entire process has been the fact that Anne Arundel County and Baltimore County are doing most of the heavy lifting here. 25% of our respondents were from Anne Arundel County, 19.4% were from Baltimore County, but nice representative sample from Calvert County, we had Carroll County at 6.5%, Montgomery County checked in at 7.4%, 5.6% from Hartford, a much nicer spread than we are used to having. That's not saying everybody's participating in the poll, but we are getting more people participating in the poll. Somehow, and I haven't quite figured this out yet, um, somehow Prince George's County took the month off. Queen Anne's County, St. Mary's County, Somerset County, Talbot County, all you guys took the month off. Of our respondents, and this is a usual number here, 9.3% are Central Committee members, 90.7% are not Central Committee members. That's kind of in line with what we are used to seeing. Our largest demographic this month was the 55- to 64-year-old demographic, which is 24.3% of our uh, of our respondents. But 23.3% are the 35s to 44s. 17.5% are, uh, are 35 to 54. 12.6% were 65 to 74, and 6.8% are 75 or older. Yeah, that's right. Almost 20% of our listeners are above the age of 65. God love you for participating in this month's poll and listening to Red Maryland and being a Red Maryland consumer. We do want to know, we've been asking this question for a while now, if the Republican primary for president were held today, for whom would you vote? We had not heard any decision from Mark Sanford, of course, once the uh, once the poll went out there, so it went out there like that. But 77.6% of you still say Donald Trump. With 7.5% voting for Mark Sanford, 3.7% voting for Bill Weld. I don't know, checking in 11.2%. The Republican primary, if it were held today, we asked you who uh, who would be uh, who would get your vote. And Boyd Rutherford, way out in front still, 20.4% of the vote. Um, Robin Ficker, God love Robin Ficker. Robin Ficker and his people, though, again finishing second. With uh, with seventeen point six 
percent of the vote. I guess we start have to start adding Robin Ficker to the Fakakta poll. It's becoming very, very obvious. Um, Barry Glassman got 5.6%, tied with Kathy Shalega. Um, they're the only ones who got more than 5.6%, or rather than 5%, rather, other than Boyd Rutherford. Um, Andy Harris got 4.6%. Uh, Steve Shue got 4.6%. So um, that tells you that. Other write-in answers that we did see this month. Um, three votes for Warren Miller. Two votes for David Smith. Um we got a vote for Cal Ripken Jr. I'm not even sure he's a Republican. We got a vote for Jessica Hare. Uh, we got a vote for two votes for Steve Hershey, actually. But uh, we also got, of course, some votes that we don't uh, don't actually count. We had two votes for none of the above. Okay, and again, this is you took the time to write none of the above, which is ludicrous to me. Uh, when you have an opportunity to present your case. You have the opportunity to present a name of your own choosing, but you did not do that. So what are you doing? Um, We also got many of these I would not vote for, i.e. Kittleman and Steele, who has Trump derangement syndrome. Guess I'm not going to get that guy's vote either. Um, Doesn't matter. They will get crushed. The same... The same Eeyore mentality that said uh, that said Larry Hogan couldn't win in 2014 and couldn't get reelected. I uh, I leave that for you to determine how that worked out. As it relates to our next question, which was who do you think will be the Democratic candidate for governor in 2022? Once again, 25.9 percent of you say Peter Francho. And again, I don't think this. We really should start actually stop asking this question, and I'll tell you why. Because I think a lot of this is confirmation bias from conservatives who have pleasant feelings from Peter Franchot for the fact that he stands up to the Democratic machine and the fact that he does work hand-in-hand with Governor Hogan to, to keep the budget somewhat in check, while people forget that Peter Franchot is a radical left-wing candidate, yet still not radical enough to be part of the mainstream Democratic primary. It's a fascinating thought. If you think about it, um, you know, Francho has always been a Tacoma Park liberal. The fact that he was trying to attack Alabama for regulating abortion in a way that actually is moral and makes sense tells you everything you need to know about the guy. But even now, Peter Francho is too chummy with Governor Hogan. Peter Francho is too conservative for the modern Democratic Party, which... As I said before, if you have any sense of history, if you have any sense as to what Peter Franchot's voting record looks like during his 30 years of elected office as a career politician, you know that Peter Franchot isn't barely to the right of anybody. But he's probably too far to the right to win a Democratic primary for governor in 2022. Which is why, by the way, that first question about who the Republican nominee is going to be is so important because the Democrats are likely to repeat their mistakes of 2018 and nominate a candidate so far outside the mainstream that it makes the race competitive, uh, even in an environment where it may not necessarily be so. Again, and we hasten to point out, some of what the uh, the environment for 2022 depends on what happens in, in 2020. Now, we've been asking people questions consistently now. Would you consider running for certain offices? 13.8% of you might run for Congress. 78.2% of you said you would not consider running for Congress. 8% of you, though, are in, are considering running for Congress. Now, what's interesting is that 21.8% of you 
would consider running for delegate or state senate in 2022. 13.8% said maybe, and 64.4% said no. That's the interesting number, because that's a, that's a good that's a good number. A quarter of the people reading and listening to Red Merrill, uh, actually more than a quarter, if you think about it, 35-36% are running, or considering running, or might consider running for House of Delegate or State Senate in 2022, which is very important because we need good conservative candidates to run. If everything works out the way we think it's going to work out, then we're going to have one single-member House districts, which of course, uh, which greatly evens the playing field with Democrats, and we're going to have fairly drawn districts and not the gerrymandered messes that the Democrats have given us year in and year out for uh, for so long. So it's very important um, that you go ahead and uh, if you if you have any any thoughts about running for the House of Delegates or State Senate, that you prayerfully consider that and uh, and think about if that's a way that you can best serve your party, your community, and the conservative movement. We've also asked people about running for county office in 2022. And look, that covers a broad gamut. We understand that. County council, county sheriff, county executive, county commission, that sort of thing. And a full quarter of you would say yes, you would you would, you would consider running with uh, 12.6% rather, maybe. So again, about 39, 38% of our readers would consider running for county office, whereas 62.1% of you said no. What's fascinating is that a smaller number, 9.4%, would consider running for the Board of Education. Only 8.2% might consider it, and 82.4% said no. Now, again, you know, Board of Education is a, is a thankless position, but it's important that it's elected given how much of the tax revenue in a county is used to fund education. So I think it's very important that we point out here how important, how relevant it is to um, to the county to have people of a conservative ilk in there who are, one, spending our dollars, and two, making sure that our kids get a quality education and not some of the liberal um, left-wing nonsense that we see running through our schools now. We also asked people if they would consider running for the Central Committee in 2022. 17.4% said yes, 15.1% said no, 67.4% said, uh, excuse me, 67.4% said no, 15.1% said maybe. Now here's a question which I asked, and I thought it was very interesting that we asked this question. What is your opinion of national conservatism? Um, We haven't talked too much about national conservatism uh, on this show. The short of it is that national conservatism is what a lot of Trump supporters are are pushing right now. Frankly, it's socialism. This called something else. Quite frankly, Um, it believe it's it's higher taxes, bigger government. It's basically exactly what. uh, There's really not a whole lot of daylight between what the AOCs of the world. you know, and Nancy Pelosi's the world and the national conservatives. They just call themselves different things. It's a brand. It's like the the two aliens uh, in the one episode of The Simpsons, the Treehouse of Horrors episode. Is that it's the same thing? They just they're called different things, and and everybody gets all flustered about it. Forty four point eight percent of our readers and listeners approve of national conservatism. Only sixteen point one percent disapprove. Thirty nine point one percent say I don't know. Seems like we've got some content we're going to need to run. On the flagship redmaryland.com. We also asked if C4's, uh, C4 from WBAL should run for mayor of Baltimore. 36.4% of you said yes. 18.2% of you said no. 
45.5% said, I don't know, which is an interesting number to me because I expected, you know, rightfully or wrongly, maybe I'm wrong in this, is that at the very least that our, our readers and listeners would probably share a lot of cross-pollination with the readers uh, and listeners to C4 show. So I figured there would be a much higher opinion on that. Um, look, in my opinion, we need to find a good Republican to run for mayor of Baltimore, Um I also think that at the same time that if C4 were to run uh, for for mayor as a Democrat in Baltimore, that Democrats can and probably will do a lot worse, which is probably why C4 is not going to run for mayor, uh, because he'd have to step aside from his radio gig for a while and have to go through that meat grinder. But we shall see. Time will tell. I know there there are a lot of people who want that issue to, uh, to happen and for C4 to run, so we shall see. Do you think that nonprofit organizations like the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra should receive state money? 21.5% said yes, 64.5% of you said no, and 14% said I don't know. That big number there restores my faith in humanity a little bit. I think most people understand when it's explained to them that the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra is a nonprofit organization and that a nonprofit organization is designed to raise money from private citizens and is not there to be something that taxpayers dump money into because their liberal elite uh, base thinks that that's something that they should do. And um, that's nonsense. I don't want to hear, you know, no Republican should have voted for this. And I think that's the frustrating thing for me, is that so many Republicans voted for that bill, even though to to give $3.6 million to the symphony when they should not. Next question. Something else that is of key importance to us here at Red Maryland. Do you think Maryland should stop the practice of issuing bond bills for county spending? 57.1% of you said yes. 24.8% 24.8% said no, 18.1% said I don't know, hallelujah, praise the Lord, we've talked about bond bills for a long time here, a lot of the bond bills, fun stuff, that not only is county in nature, but also, the, the, the target that I think we're really looking at here, and maybe I, I inartfully worded the question, was to uh, a lot of the nonsense bond bills that are funding nonprofit stuff and things that are not essential government functions. Um, because it, ultimately, at the end of the day, state taxpayers wind on the hook for that stuff, and a lot of what counties are getting the state to issue bonds in their name for are things that are not essentially government functions, things that should be handled by the private sector. And that hurts the state because it hurts our credit rating. Um, not that we don't have a great credit rating, but it does affect our credit because at some point, the state winds up on the hawk for the interest on those bonds, which means that even though you may never know about some of these things that were passed, uh, you may wind up seeing you know, your taxes go up to fund the interest on this stuff. A couple of years ago, Matt Newman, when he was writing for us at Red Maryland, would talk about some of this, these wastes of the week, he called them. Uh, and just go back and look at some of the fascinating and, quite frankly, stupid stuff that taxpayers uh, were asked to foot the bill for. Now we get to the comedy unloading zone. So here we go. The open-ended question. Um, what else do you want to tell us? And here we go. None. So that's that's something. I'm planning to move out of the state in the next three to six months. Maryland is far too corrupt for me. It's becoming Washington, D.C.'s me-me-me. I think he means mini me I wash N hands of this state. Good luck to you. Frankly, you're part of the problem. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why Maryland keeps becoming blue is because conservatives give up and leave. And I get it. I I get it a lot. Um, 
but, you know, it's... <laughs> this is why things turn out the way they do, because so many people abandon the state of Maryland. You know, Maryland is worth fighting for. We've had people say that before, and they've also left us. So take that for what it's worth. Tossed out the leadership at WSSC for their wasteful rebranding campaign. Hey, that's that's. there's a lot of reasons to turn out the WSSC. First of all, in the above question, what is the Maryland? I have no idea what they're talking about. Second, what do you mean by, quote, national conservatism? Do you mean the country should embrace conservatism? Then the answer is yes. Or do you mean that we should embrace rhinoism? Then the answer is no. Of course, that neither of those are actually even remotely what's related to the question, but I move on. This is the same commenter. As a registered independent, I cite, S-I-T-E, Hogan as a perfect example of a rhino that might as well declare himself as a dem, because that is exactly what he is. Did not vote for him in the last election. I wrote in Donald Trump, and I will not vote for another rhino, so the Republicans should step out of their political coma and stop supporting all the rhinos or on your above-candidate list, including Captain Cupcake, otherwise known as the House Minority Leader. Captain Cupcake. <sighs> Just reading them, folks. The following are my ideas to make make Maryland great again. One, build a wall and make Pennsylvania and Delaware pay for it. Two, hire John Bolton to spread Maryland exceptionalism to Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. Election in 2016, the voters dismissed talented and experienced officers who had served well and elected less competent people changing the county towards a sanctuary county with socialist policies and laws. I have absolutely no idea what county they're talking about. I know the only county in Maryland that uh, that had county elections of any sort in 2016 was Cecil County. I don't, I don't think that's what they're talking about. Next comment. Does Brian really drink all those beers he posts on Twitter? Yes, <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, I, I am on Untapped. You can find me on Untapped, the app that ta- yeah, tracks your beer. And uh, when I when I when a beer gets tweeted out, it's because I have tried that beer. Uh, either I've tried a tasting, or, or I'm drinking a can, or a bottle, or whatever. And that's yes, I don't. I'm not going to kayfabe the beer, man. Um, <laughs> why would I kayfabe the beer, man? Moving on to the next one. Next comment. When the criminal county execs and mayors said local police would not assist ICE. That's the end of the sentence. The political coward Larry Hogan should have ordered that the state police help in any way possible. I will never vote for Larry no matter what he runs for. The president is 100% right about Baltimore and Cummings. Larry Hogan is exactly the kind of Republican we do not need. Democrats cannot be worked with. They have to be defeated. You mean you mean like Larry Hogan won two terms as, as governor of Maryland? But I digress. You communists disgust me. I'm not sure that person understands what we do here at Red Maryland, but okay. Should WBAL's Ripsy Morgan run for Anne Arundel County Executive in 2022? No. How long do we have to pretend Donald Trump is sane? Just read them, folks. I hope Brian enjoyed BronyCon. I have never, never gone to BronyCon. Uh, I know more about... My Little Pony than I cared to, to know because, again, I have a daughter who watches it, but now BronyCon is not my scene, man. Next comment. Whatsoever you do to the least of my people than you do unto me. When I was hungry, you gave me to eat. 
You gave me to eat. That is not what it says, ma'am. You gave me to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. That is, that is, I'm, okay. I, it's, it's a Bible verse. You can go read it online. I, this is, this is a wild verse. Anyway, moving on. Cut the eight sales tax, two cents like Robin says. Brian and Greg, what is your go-to favorite struggle food? A struggle food is something you eat, typically in a pinch, and when the fridge is near empty, that is cheap, easy to make, easy to clean, etc. In case you or the listeners were unsure, my go-to is a hot dog on white bread, or spaghetti noodles with butter. I gotta admit, I have absolutely no idea what a struggle... I I understand that that's a definition, um... You know, if it's that bad, I'll just get pizza or something. I'm not. That's, that's, I can tell you I eat PBJ. I like PBJ. Let's go with PBJ. Stop gun violence. Okay. Any legitimate, not rude or trollish, criticism of Red Maryland and Rhino Hogan is censored of the Red MD Facebook page. This is conservatism of Red MD. If that were true, do you think I would have, I would have let that comment be published? Food for thought. Next. This state is going to shit. I just read them, folks. Something needs to be for retirees. Again, just reading them. I lived here my whole life and will have to leave when I retire. Unless I can't take it anymore and leave sooner. Which may very well happen. Okay. Will any Republicans that support President Trump's agenda run for state offices in 2020? If so, how do we know where they where they stand on policies? I see little, if any, information put out by the Maryland Republican Party stating their positions and information on Republicans running for office. Um, probably not, because there are no state offices on the ballot in 2020. Let's start there. And uh, quite frankly, and uh, I, I know that some of you guys aren't going to like to see this, uh, hear this, but any Republican at this juncture who ran on Trump's agenda would get crushed. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Next comment. Jif is better than Skippy. I don't know, but Peter Pan's generally better than both of them, but I buy, uh, I buy Aldi uh, these days. Support our president. There are two political parties in Maryland, the evil party and the stupid party. Whether the Republicans going to stop being the stupid party? Old uh, tribute there to Ron Smith. I'm not sure that stop being the stupid party to be the evil party is really the way to go either, but um, okay. Since I am over 90, I have no plans to run for office. What is the meaning of national conservatism? The people of the state of Maryland have selected secularism as a political tenet versus Christianity. Focus on that and less on taxes, etc. The Democrats have adopted the tenets of militant secularism and openly and overtly attacked the Catholic Church. This avenue takes our country on the path to copying the current civilization in Europe. Is that what European Americans want? Um, that last line is where you start to lose me because that's, uh, that's hashtag racist. Um, just throwing it out there. Next comment. Impeach Hogan. What possible grounds is there to impeach Larry Hogan? Mark Sanford needs to get off of the campaign trail and back onto the Appalachian Trail. And if you didn't laugh at that one, you should, because that's, that's funny. I don't care who you are. Last but not least, the Maryland Republican Party needs to be more active in attracting voters. All of the Republican events are far away from the city and require a hefty ticket price. This practice is one of the reasons that no one is aware of Republicans running for office in Maryland. I uh, I need help with that one. Um, because I don't understand what events being far away from the city has anything to do with 
reasons that people are or are not aware of Republicans running for office in Maryland. I can tell you that Red Maryland is doing our part. Uh, we are putting out candidate surveys. Our candidate surveys will return for 2020 with candidates who are running for uh, House uh, Congress, rather, uh, Board of Education seats. Uh, we'll do Hagerstown mayor, I'm sure. Um, and we're also going to look, and also this is this is going to be a massive and possibly Sisyphusian undertaking. Um, but we're going to do all the people who filed a run for national convention delegate. Look, it's a it's a it's elected on the ballot, okay? And you should know as much as you can about the people who want you want uh, who want to represent you rather at the national convention in Charlotte. What are they? What makes them tick? What do they believe? Do they have plans for running for office in the future? Um, do they support the president? What do they support? That's the kind of questions that we ask. And we do that partially uh, because, again, it's on uh, it's on the ballot. You will have the chance to vote for these offices. But also, these are people who want to represent the Republican Party, not just at the convention, but oftentimes are, are seeing this as a stepping stone to running for office. And uh, if people want to run for any sort of office they need to know that you know they're gonna they're gonna have to they're gonna be some questions that red maryland has for them and uh we're gonna ask them and we want them to um to you know come through us kind of as a gatekeeper role so um you know so we can get the information out there and people can know about republicans and uh and what's going on so thank you everybody who participated in this month's poll uh i want to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of red maryland radio be sure to check out all the things going on here at the red maryland uh network and on redmaryland.com i am back on sunday uh with a new episode of the air raid greg will be flying solo next week uh, for next week's episode of Red Maryland Radio, I'll be at the Orioles game. Greg's flying solo next week. I'm sure he'll talk about cycling or you know the latest Raiders news or whatever. But he'll be here and uh, a new episode. And Greg and I'll be back together in two weeks' time. Uh, we will be back. Of course, by that point, I'll be on Baby Watch, so you never really know what's going to happen. But uh, <laughs> we'll we will endeavor to persevere. Hey, be sure to check out my column in Friday's Capital. It should already be posted on uh, on CapitalGazette.com. It's about guns um you know big topic we talked about the first part of the show so that's kind of important um you know talking about guns um not quite the same uh not quite the same subject matter but just kind of i'm i'm sick and tired of people blaming the gun is what it boils down to so again be sure to check that out also on friday if you are at the uh, maryland association of counties conference in ocean city be sure to stop into the main hall on uh, 9 a.m i'll be part of a panel talking about activism and uh, and media and stuff like that. That's starting at 9 a.m., Maryland Association of Counties down at their conference in Ocean City. Uh, I will be, uh, for those of you who want to play some mini-golf this weekend, the uh, the Texas Roadhouse Open, the latest uh, event for the Baltimore Greater Baltimore Mini Golf Tour, is this uh, Saturday in my backyard, uh, Pasadena Golf Center here in Pasadena. Just go to uh, Facebook and uh, search the Greater Baltimore Mini Golf Tour, and you can find more information about that. Since I won't be uh, on this show before it happens, I also want to let you know that you can listen to the Bowie Bay Sox on on Saturday, rather, um, August 24th um, for their game, and I will be in the broadcast booth for part of that game. So I'll be calling some of the action in that game on uh, WNAV, and you can listen to it online as well. So I'm really looking forward to getting up in the booth and calling a little bit of Bowie Bay Sox baseball. Of course, we have other events coming up as well. We heard Maria Sophia talk about the uh, talk about the big roast of Dirk Hare. All those events, redmaryland.com slash events, 
you can learn more about those, where we're going to be, how to buy tickets to those events. Also, how you can buy tickets to the Red Maryland Leadership Conference. RedMarylandConference.com is how you can do that. All of the great stuff that's going on there. Be sure to get your ticket now. It's going to sell out. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. That event will sell out, redmarylandconference.com. And, of course, we ask that you be a patron. Help Red Maryland and Grow and Enhance the Network by becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash Red Maryland. Of course, you can subscribe to Red Maryland Network programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, wherever you catch podcasts like this one. Uh, just search Red Maryland and click subscribe and have shows like this one automatically downloaded to the device of your choice. Also, can't be remiss if I don't say this, um, be on social media, okay? Facebook.com slash Red Maryland. We are on Twitter at Red Maryland. We are on Instagram at Red Maryland. Say you can't, uh, you can't support us as a patron. You can support us by sharing Red Maryland content with your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, co-religionists, in-laws, outlaws, everybody that you know on social media. Share our stuff. We appreciate your support, and that helps us grow and enhance the network and get Red Maryland in front of more eyeballs. Share it in your groups on on Twitter, on Instagram, and on on. LinkedIn, Nextdoor, every social media avenue, you are the force multiplier that helps us grow, and it's at no cost to you. And, of course, you can contact us at any time, redmaryland at gmail.com is that email address, and we are on... um, you can call or text, rather, the Red Maryland Talkback line, 410-205-4875. That's 410-205-4875. We will feature your comments on a future Red Maryland Network program. Again, um, happy birthday to Greg. His birthday with this week, so we uh, hope he had a great one at Rift Tracks and whatever else he decided to do uh, for you here. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you guys listening tonight. We appreciate everything that you guys do to support us as we start careening towards the 2022 gubernatorial election. It's going to be here before you know it, folks. And we appreciate your support. And again, buy those tickets, redmarylandconference.com. For everybody here at the network, thank you very much for listening. For Greg Klein, who's not this week, I'm Brian Gervis. You have been listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Woo, woo, woo. You know it.